hello. Welcome to Ami Tuckered Out. I am your host with the most S. No, that didn't work out. I am your host, Ami. And today I have an amazing guest who I have pretended to be pretty much every time any kind of party or music comes on. I haven't quite gotten there yet, but DJ Caper is a producer, a DJ, and a radio presenter from the UK who now lives in New York. And she is one of the best scratch DJs out there. And for those of you that don't know what scratching is, it is a technique of moving a vinyl record back and forth on our turntable to produce, I guess, percussive or rhythmic sounds. Basically, it's not easy. So, you know, people have hailed her as a pioneer for Asian women, but really, honestly, guys, she's a pioneer for all women and men in the DJ scene. And she has headlined some of the world's most renowned nightclubs, including London's Bar Rumba and New York City's SOBs, The Knitting Factory and Joe's Pub. And she has made international rounds around the world. I, of course, start off the uh, interview with my DJ story and my schooling at DJ Spin Gurus in Delhi. And then we quickly move on from that. But I hope you guys enjoy my interview with DJ Caper. So let's just start. So you're a Guju. Like parents are from Gujarat. Well, my parents are, they're Gujarati from okay. Gujarat. Yeah. But they went to Africa like when they were babies. So okay. They're technically Kenyan, but then they've lived in England for most of their life. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a common story with a lot of Gujaratis. I was yeah. going to ask you, you know, obviously we're living in a time where the immigration story is taken for granted. So I was just about to ask you what your parents' story was, but I've heard a lot of, a lot of Patels too that have gone to Africa first and then to the UK. The African Indian community in the UK is a lot more diverse and maybe not just Patels. Like I feel like I've, I've met so many different types of Gujaratis. Right, right. Oh, and then they're like our parents will know each other because they like lived on the same road or something. Of course. You know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I feel like there's so many African Indians in, especially in London. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, that seems to be like the the flow. Wait, is Nihar's Gujarati too, right? No. No. Okay. Marathi. Marathi. Okay. No, I just, I never thought growing up a that I would marry an Indian let alone a Guju <laughs> so I was wondering if you had been the same way and it just kind of happened I'd never thought I'd marry anyone to be honest <laughs> fair. yeah that's that was me too for sure when I found one that I liked I was like let me just hold on to that one and keep yeah because yeah I'm the same as you. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I know. Like, look, I'm like, wow, I have two kids and a Guju husband. I'm like, well, this is interesting. I mean, it's all, it's all fantastic. It's just, I would not have thought so 15 years ago. Okay, so you grew up, born in London, but you grew up in, I'm going to mess this up, Croydon? Croydon, which is also in London, but it's in South London, yeah. Okay, cool. And so is there, were there a lot of Indians in that area? No. So there was a, there's a small Indian community there in Croydon, okay. but... It, Croydon is kind of known to be a, it has a bit of a reputation for being a rough place. 
it wasn't that rough. I mean, it was, it was different because a lot of the Indians ended up in northwest London in an area called Wembley or like yeah. in, around that kind of area. And when you say that you're from Croydon, people are like, you're from Croydon? Wow. Like they think it's amazing because all the Indians ended up in North London. So okay. there's not as many, but there's definitely a little tight community. Got it. Because, I mean, when I was reading it, there's a lot, is it a lot of Caribbean influences there? Like, and so, so it's close to a place called Brixton. It's like where Soul to Soul are from. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of Caribbean influence there. Caribbean influences. So. So, and then I was reading, so you've known you wanted to be a DJ since you were like a kid, obviously. And you had the balls to tell your parents at a very young age that this is what I'm doing, which is amazing because we all know not just Indian, but Gujarati parents are pretty hardcore about what yeah. their daughters do. I just need to hear the story where you're just like, I'm doing this. Well, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't really tell them I was doing it. I <laughs> so I have quite a few people in my family, like cousins, older cousins, like guys who were DJing and my dad's brother's son was quite a popular DJ back in the day. He used to do all the big clubs around the UK and stuff like that. And obviously I'd see him a lot because, you know, he's my first cousin. So I would see him you know, just practicing at home and stuff. And I was really into it from a young age. And then my, my brother, my older brother, who is closer to my cousin's age, was also like kind of influenced by it, but didn't have the drive to do it. In his first, first job that he got, he bought a turntable and tried to DJ. He bought one turntable and <laughs> tried to DJ. Nice. Let's just start simple. Basically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, and then just like lost interest and then my cousin would sometimes drop his other other turntable around to our house or you know just if he had a spare one lying around or whatever and I used to just hook them up and mess around with them and then before I knew it I was DJing without knowing it and because I used to play the drums at school so I'm, I'm like 11 at this point so the DJ like beat matching and timing and everything kind of came quite naturally to me yeah because you didn't go to school for it. I read you didn't like, there's no YouTube back then. There's no like how to do this and like four steps kind of bullshit that you can do now. Right. No, no YouTube. I used to just listen to like tapes. Like, you know, remember like cassette tapes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I remember. I, remember. <laughs> um, I used to listen to tapes and if I would hear like a scratch or something, I'd try and emulate it and I'd just keep going back and forth and listening and trying to do the, the same thing or trying to make the same noise and yeah that's pretty much how I learned and then I just kept doing it and then I guess when when it became like a serious thing when I actually like wanted to go and DJ in a club that's when it became a problem for my parents you know they're like oh, you shouldn't be doing this people are going to find out in the community mm-hmm. like, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I can I, I can go off on Gujarati if you want to don't oh, worry. No, no. So yeah, I I got it all, and you know, I remember my parents were like, "Girls don't do this," you know, this is hard. But I I I didn't really have a lot of interest in anything else. I wasn't a girly girl. I didn't like have a big group of like girlfriends and went shopping every weekend and shit like that. I wasn't really into much apart from 
DJing and my parents would just get a bit worried like what's wrong with her <laughs> like, That's, no I mean it's amazing you're, I'm, you're very lucky that you just kind of you knew right that doesn't happen very often especially at that age and then well too you knew and then you also had the drive to do it because that's the main problem with a lot of people right like yeah. you were you were focused on it I always knew but I I knew that I I wanted to do something in music even from like a really, really young age. And okay. I, didn't, I didn't know what it was. Like I would see like mixing boards like right. in a recording studio and I would see like pictures of it and stuff like that. And I, that would like get me excited and I didn't even. Yeah. So I was into making music first, I think, before I knew what DJing was. I found DJing from like watching my cousins and stuff like that. But I always was into some, like something to do with music, all oh, the speakers and there's, there's a mixing board thing. And yeah. Like, it's interesting to me. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Are the, um, are the older cousins and brothers still doing it or are they like, all yeah. right, they yeah. are awesome. Yeah. You know, they got older and were like, well, yeah. we, can't, we can't be going to clubs every week. <laughs> they became, like, like a lot of, a lot of uh, brown DJs do. I was just going to ask you, I was going to ask you if you ever went down that route. If I ever went down yeah. that route. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I got, um, not because it's bad. Right. Because I think anything bad of it. It was just, you have to have a, this is, it's a different kind of DJing and you have to have a lot of patience. Right. I don't have, I can't be dealing with brides every weekend. Like that's not my thing. Why not? That sounds like so much fun. It sounds like not stressful at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, do, do you know what? I I give it to any any wedding DJ out there. You, like, you yeah, know, thanks because I couldn't do that. Yeah, um, I mean that, that's why they should be paid quite yeah, well. Yeah, and and they they actually got into like the wedding circuit, but then also had built their own sound system and stuff like that. So, so not just weddings; they do other stuff as well. Private. So now, whenever you go home, are you like, "What's up? I can like take you guys on." <laughs> we always did that anyway. Like, right, right. I would practice with my cousins and stuff in a, you know. Yeah. When, whenever we would see see each other, and it was always like that. There was, it was never like, oh, you're a girl. You're. A, they actually respected me from like very young. So. Young, yeah, because they saw you grow. So they were like, yeah, don't mess yeah. with this chick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then. And then I read you started a residency at the age of 16 at London Ministry of Sound. Yeah. That's insane. So this, this, this basically, did your parents know about this? Because I was like, they d- did not let you. Yeah, I figured. Okay. No. I think I was probably like just turned 17 more like. Okay. So in the UK, um, after 16, you go to a place called college, which is not university. It's basically two years before you go to university. Right. You just happen to call it college. Right. Um, So I was at college and I just started college. And I can't can't even remember. Someone had heard of me or I don't know, something. And I got asked to do one of the student nights at Ministry of Sound. And I don't know if you have ever been to that club, but there's three rooms and there's yeah. tunnels that connect every room and whatever. And there was a place called the baby box, which is where I started, which is like just a small room. Yeah. Then, yeah, they just kept asking me to come back. <laughs> so That's awesome. It turned into a little residency until I went to university. That's um, a lot of uh, telling your parents you're going to 
a friend's house for movie night or whatever. I actually used the fake letters. <laughs> I used the fake letters. I used to tell my mum and dad that I'm going to visit a university for the future for the next, like, because I was, you know, right. looking for a university to go to kind of thing. Right. So, no, I've got to go to, you know, Birmingham. Yeah. <laughs> like, this place is like two and a half hours away. I'll probably have to stay there, blah, 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 blah. I'll just make up all kinds of shit. But I would fake the letters to, that would invite me to the university. That's amazing. <laughs> Do you still have those? And your parents, I mean, your parents, <laughs> that's amazing. Well, look, I mean, that's better. Than, I didn't even have boyfriends to lie about. So like I was just not even, yeah. So at least you had a reason to sneak out. That's good. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Have, you have to have something. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's crazy to think about like a lot of people would sneak out to go and see their boyfriend. And here's me writing stupid letters, <laughs> fake letters to go and DJ. Oh, so much cooler. Are you kidding me? Hey, look, I didn't even get asked to my prom. I got set up with like a married man. So like, let's just, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. I have, I have a lot of insecurity issues from my childhood. It's fine. <laughs> it builds, it builds character. It's good. And so in college you studied music technology and creative music, right? Yes. Okay. I started just doing music technology. Okay. Figured out by the first year that it was way too technical. And okay. Too- physics and I was like this yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. then I had to uh, combine sorry about this sorry oh good okay oh, that's just a New York City interview though right there it's totally fine <laughs> I was gonna ask you were like were you the only girl in music technology at that okay yeah all right all right I hate to ask it but it just seems like yeah. there, until, there wouldn't be very many all right until I did until I did um creative music as well okay because it was more like musical so that right. like of musicians and girls that could play violin and piano and whatever. Are you still uh, in touch with any of them? No. No. no, no, no. Okay. Yeah. I, funny enough, I was only friends with the guys anyway. Okay. <laughs> we've had, we've had parallel lives basically. It's totally fine. <laughs> I, I feel like I just recently, not recently, but the past five, six years after having kids, I'm like, Oh, I need women support too. Like yeah. women, women are good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> not that they were not ever good. It just, no, I, yeah. You just didn't connect with them as much. Yeah. Yeah. They always thought I was jungly or whatever. Yeah. But a few, I've had a few friends appreciate it, but okay. So then you're in college and then you start a uh, weekly night of hip hop, right? Ebonics in London, right? During no, this time or right after? It was in Cambridge. Okay. I went to university. I didn't go to university of Cambridge, I went to a different university. It's all good. Uh, we're, I'm from Texas. It's all the, it sounds all the same. So I'll just say, we can just say but Cambridge. I always get it. I'm like, oh, you went to, you went to Cambridge University? I was like, no. <laughs> the cousin, the cousin school. Yeah. They, yeah. Used to call, they used to call our university the early learning, early learning center of Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> like the preschool before Cambridge. It's yeah. totally fine, yeah. right? Which is totally unfair. <laughs> Yeah, so when I started university, yeah, I had been asked to DJ at, like, the club. There was, like, four clubs in Cambridge. And okay. <laughs> I got asked to DJ at one of them. And then they just, I guess the manager of the club at the time just decided to get rid of one of their successful <laughs> club nights. It was like, no, we want to give it to you now. So I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. And then I, I kind of built my own brand and club night. 
yeah at that club so no no more baby box basically no no it was it was still a small club but it was like my thing it yeah was, that's a big deal it was like 350 people every week it was good enough and I mean you could build your own you're building your own night right like whatever you yeah, want I was, I was building my own brand without even knowing it and it became successful because at the time crunk music became a thing and and um, no Jesus. one was playing it. No one was playing it in the UK, and I didn't really like it at first, right? Because uh, I didn't understand. Around Cambridge, there was a lot of American air bases, and a yeah. lot of the people that were on the air bases were from Atlanta and um, you know the South. So they would come out, you know, on their days off, and they would come to my my night because they heard it was a hip hop night. They'd be like, "You gotta play the the new da 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 da, da the young jock and this." And I'm, I'd be like, "Huh? <laughs> what?" I had no idea what they were talking about. So one a couple of times, you know, I had a few of them bring me like CDs of the most popular tracks. Then I, then right. I really got into it. They would come to the club and they would do all the dances, and it made my shit look amazing. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. That sounds, that sounds awesome. I would have so been there. Yeah, and, and in the UK, like, you know, people were just amazed. So they would, they would, people would come from, like, Manchester and, like, far, far away places just to come and see these guys do these dances. So I would have been one of, uh, I would have been right next to them trying. Yeah. I, also, I, I also used to be a break dancer, by the way. Oh, nice. So then is this where you met Jazzy Jeff? Or where, is that, you guys have a, was he, like, your mentor? Is that a good word? No, I would, I would say more? he's like my mentor. He's kind of like the big brother that kind of looks out for you. Because when I, when I was given the opportunity to build my own club night, I was like, yeah. well, what better thing to do to help, obviously help me build my brand as well, is to maybe DJ with people that I've always wanted to DJ with. And that's when I had the idea and I had asked the club, like, can we get Jazzy Jeff and can we get DJ Premier and can we get all these like icons that I'd grown up loving, right? listening to. I got a chance to DJ with them just by booking them for my own. That's amazing. So yeah, that's how I met him. And you guys have been close since. Yeah, since then, because around, especially around that time, there wasn't a lot of, females that were doing hip-hop that was traveling the world as well yeah so on the weekends like when I was at university I would one weekend I'd be in Mauritius and another weekend I'd be in South Africa and another weekend I'd be yeah like you know and I guess he he saw that and he would see the like videos and stuff and so he um so yeah he just kind of kept in touch and then then whenever he because because back then it, there wasn't like social media and stuff. So. Right. Thank God. <laughs> in a way. In a way. Yeah. 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 So it'd be word of mouth. Like you would go and DJ from for a, for a club in another country, and they'll be like, "Oh, who do you think we should get next?" And they would ask Jeff, and then Jeff would sometimes say my name. So I'd end up in another country that I'm like, "How do they know who I am?" And then they would tell me, "Well, Jeff recommended you." So that's how it's it. amazing how things actually worked back then without all this crap, right? kind of like less stressful too and i'm assuming by now your parents know you're doing this yeah because because i i had entered the first like week of um when i started university i'd entered the competition 
DJ competition and then I ended up winning it and it was a national competition. Is this the Vestax? Okay. Yeah. And can, you, can you explain that really quick? Because I'm sure I don't know if a lot of people here would know it. It's a Vestax Juice DJ was, competition, right? Yeah, it was it was sponsored by a company called Vestax who okay. made mixes and turntables, right? And, stuff. and also like DJ Magazine, IDJ, and the Daily Telegraph, which is a big newspaper in the UK. And it was a national competition. So I the first week of uni, I had a mixtape because I wanted to try and get some gigs. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> no, the mixtape that I'd done on mini disc, okay. and I gave it to a third year student on my course, and his name was Colin. Never forget Colin. And um, he he was Hash, like, hash hashtag that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I was like, hey, uh, could you like sort out the levels? I've done this mix, but you know, like, could you just sort out the levels and stuff? He was like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. And, and then he like texts me and he's like, who's, who's the person like scratching or like DJing who, who did this mixtape? I was like, me, <laughs> why would I give you someone else's? You're like, I'm not the assistant. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, what? He was like, oh my God, you should, you should enter this, this DJ battle. And it's a national thing. They're, they're only just doing the, like the heats in the universities at the moment. But he, he was like, I will drop out so that you can do it because he was in it. And I was like, what? Oh, God. All right. Whatever. And then so I end up doing it, end up winning it. And then I kept winning all the stages until eventually I just won the whole thing. <laughs> and and that's, that's a serious never forget Colin. Yeah. He's hit yeah. me up a few times and he's, he's been like, hey, do you remember? <laughs> like, You're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> We'll give him a shout out on this podcast for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So after that, because they had quite a lot of press for the competition. Competition, yeah. So I start popping up on newspapers and magazines, and then people start talking to my parents, like, "Oh, we saw your daughter in the Daily Telegraph and the Guardian and blah blah blah." And my mom and dad were like, "What?" <laughs> They're like, yeah, we know. We we were we were there the whole time. There's <laughs> a smarty mitty. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So because of that, that's kind of what they, they were just like, all right. But, they're like, it's legit. Like this is not just yeah. ch- child's play. That's good. It is. Look, I give your parents prop. It's 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 hard for any of our parents to like that generation to accept this stuff. They don't. I mean, it's hard to get. So yeah, definitely. So then. Was it after around this point, I think 2006 is what I've read, that you started your BBC Asian Network program? Mm-hmm. Originally, it was called The Hype Show. Okay. So how was that? Like, that was, that's a whole kind of different scene. Yeah, that's, that was definitely a whole different scene. Yeah. But by that point, I, I think I'd done enough in the London or okay. like scene to be kind of relatively known. Okay. And, so they approached me to do a pilot for One Extra, okay, which is for BBC One Extra, which is another station on the BBC. Okay, uh, I went there with <laughs> with my records and did the pilot, and then they were like, "Yeah, the show is from like four till six in the morning, something ridiculous." <laughs> and you know, obviously the studios were in London, and I was yeah, like, which, which is yeah. Like, I, was like, I was like, "Dude, I'm in like my first year of uni or whatever second year I'm probably gonna fail if I do this show and I've already done enough to worry my parents yeah yeah so I was like I don't know if I can do but it. you're you're in Cambridge I mean Cambridge University you're fine what are you worried about 
<laughs> so then they were kind of like Amin and Aring, and then a guy called Mr. Jam ended up getting the show. And then, like out of nowhere, someone popped out and was like, hey, do you want to do this show on the BBC Asian Network? And I was like, eh, maybe, I don't know, again. And then just ended up piloting for that and then okay. got into it. <laughs> and and, then, and yay, nay? Was it, was it a good experience? Was it something you would do again? It was, so it was a good experience. I would say in terms of like getting me out of my comfort zone, right. I don't think that I would have unless I'd done that show because they literally don't give you any kind of training. It's well, They do a little bit, but you're never going to really know until you go live on air. Right, right. And, and they literally just turned the fader up on me one day. They were like, right, this is the, sh- the time of your show and this is what you've got to say. Here's a script, blah, blah, right. blah. Play this, play that. And then turn the fader up and I'm like, ah. <laughs> uh, I didn't love it because it was on the, it was on the brown station of the BBC. And I didn't love it because I was being asked to play a lot of Bangra music, which I'd have nothing against, but I also am not Punjabi, didn't grow up listening to it and couldn't pronounce a lot of the names. That's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I think, I think the first show they asked someone that asked me to play Gurdas Man. I can say it now, right? But that's it's pretty good. But back then, I, I read the script and I was like, so the next track is by Gerda's Man? <laughs> and, and everyone started cracking up in the studio. And, Very- <laughs> and it was cruel. It was fucking cruel. It was like horrible. Put <laughs> me on air and then have me say all these Punjabi names that I couldn't pronounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about like Bollywood? Yeah, That's no. That's not necessarily Bhangra. It's, yeah. No? Not, not, then, your, not your jam? No, not my jam, but um, not, I mean, if not to be bad again, but no, of course not. I, would, I didn't grow up listening to Bollywood or Bangra, so I didn't know a lot about any of it. So okay. I was able to play, you know, hip hop in the beginning, hip hop and like other stuff as well, but I would have to mix it with the, the Indian stuff. The beats, yeah. So, I mean, that's how I kind of got around it. But yeah. That station was seemed to be more into Bangra than Bollywood. anything else, right? Yeah. Got it. The listenership was into into that, so that's why that I would get asked to play all this stuff. And then eventually, when I became more confident, I was like, "No, I'm right. not like I'm not doing this. I need to kind of own this. If I'm going to do this, I got to own it." Yeah, I mean, it's your show. Yeah. So then I kind of did. I kind of went into more. Asian beats rather than like, you know, Got it. like uh, Shiva sound system mm-hmm. and like, you know, all the cooler stuff. I guess. Right, 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 right. Well, like it's just your thing. Like that's your, that's your music. And so I grew up listening to Bollywood and this and that, but like, I can't, the bhangra is fine when you're at a wedding here and there, but like, I can't. I mean, I can't dance to it. I can't, I'll, it's, I'll OD on it. It's just <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's. That's enough. I just I, give me some garba ras. I can do that all day. That's yeah, totally yeah. fine. I can't, uh, do, I can't even do garba. I'm the worst Indian ever. That's so. fine. I'll teach you. I won the um, 2000 Ross Rage Championships, the college ones in the US. So I got your back, girl. I was, of course, dressed up as a boy because they didn't have enough. It's fine. It's been a tough life. Um, so, so then I'm, I'm going to brag about you a little bit. Then you got a double nominee in the best, you got best club DJ, right? In 2008, 2009 at the UK Asian Music Awards. 
Yes, I'll Probably. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Like, I'm going to, I want you to feel fancy here. And then you start producing a couple of years later. I believe what Diplo was the first one. I'd made a song and Diplo put it on his label, Mad Decent. And that's how that kind of became a thing. I, uh, I just have like a minor crush on him. So just throwing it out there. It's <laughs> amazing. When he's like dressed like a cowboy and stuff. Well, no, when he was with MIA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I had met, I'll, tell, I'll have to tell you the story at some point, but I followed MIA around the US because I was trying to like get on her tour bus. I'm not sure what to, like what I would be doing exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was in my third semester of law school and I was like, eh, I'll just quit and follow MIA around. Right. And my big brother was like, you're a jackass. <laughs> get back to school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've had many. Anyways, and so she when she was in Chicago, I briefly met her and she probably had security kick me out. But I met Diplo, what he was he was DJing the after party. And he I mean, you know, this was like 2004. He was quite friendly. Yeah, so I, I had a slight um MIA obsession. I actually I did meet her and then she actually did pull, I was dating this um, six foot four white guy back then. We went to her concert and she actually, cause I was stalking her at her signing. So she pulled me up on stage and I danced behind her and I thought I had made it. I'm like, Oh, I'm totally in with her. Like it's, we're, it's, we're going to become best friends. Yeah. And then that was the end of that. <laughs> she was like, no, I was like, it's fine. I first met Diplo when MIA was performing at the Fader Fort stage at South by Southwest, Diplo was backstage and I had, I had been doing some stuff for the BBC as well. So I had my little recorder thing, my BBC mic, and I met him backstage and I thought that I was going to interview him about him. And then he just started asking me about myself and he was like, what part of India are your, your family from? You know, like a proper like uncle. And <laughs> <laughs> then like uh like the west like what no but what what like da, da, da. i'm like how do you know and he was like well i traveled around Gujarat, like i guess for for a year or something and nice. basically just met random Gujaratis everywhere. <laughs> so you're, then, you're saying there's still a chance i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> he loves Gujarati girls there you go he was friendly damn it he loves brown girls I blame, I blame Corey, that six foot four guy. It's fine. So, sorry. So you did it. You did, you signed an album with him, his label. No, no, no. It was just, it was just one track. I okay. didn't know that anything was going to happen with it. Uh, one of my friend's engineers, you know, knew him or whatever had sent him the track and he ended up putting it on Mad Decent and that was it. And, okay. Yeah. And then he used to send me music every week for my show, which helped me out loads. <laughs> That, yeah, that's amazing. That was called Gimme Some, right? The, the yeah. song with him. And then there was Magic Faces. I've been listening on Spotify to all your stuff. It's catching up. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, Magic Faces, right? That was another yeah, big that was like my, my first track that I released by myself. Gimme Some was with Engineers. So right. It was collaboration. And then Magic Faces was after I'd left radio. Because I okay. always produced, but it was so hard to do it while I was on radio because yeah. radio up so much of my time that I just never did it. And then, you know, I studied it. So, right. I, I, yeah. So after I finished radio, the first thing I did was release music. And that was the first single that I released. And then 
I just went on. That must have been pretty exciting because that went that went well for you. Out of my mind, right? Surpassed two million streams. Yeah, at the time, like to get like a million streams was like crazy because Spotify. Yeah. Just, it was just becoming a thing, and yeah, it just happened. And I was like, "Wow, well, okay." And then Pitchfork had blogged it, so that right. was easier. And right. So were you you were releasing like singles at this time, not full on albums? Yeah, I haven't actually released an album. I've released EPs. But EPs, yeah. Um, okay. But at that time, that was that was kind of the the trend. Like disclosure were were becoming massive. Okay. And it was like kind of the trend to like kind of do the housey kind of soulful kind of thing. It was working. Um, that's not the reason why I started doing it, but it just kind of fell into place. And then- right. So, I mean, I'm going to ask you this because I mean, I'm so interested in knowing the story of your brand and how it's kind of evolved over the years. So from the days when you were 17 in the baby box to at this point, how much how much has it not evolved, but like how much has it changed? And like, did you feel like you're playing the same kind of music and just like a different level? I kind of gone back and forth so many ways. Like I started off being known as this like little hip hop chick, young little girl that knows how to scratch. And then I went into the Indian scenes. And then, I left that and then went into ha- like m- producing house music. So it was just kind of all over the place. Which but, is awesome. Like you're trying everything. Yeah. But I think that that is, that's what happens when you, I guess when you've been doing something for so long, you're going right. to stages. And because I was so young, I see a lot of like young DJs right now. And I look at how I was then and I didn't know where I was going. Like I had no idea. I was just yeah. going with go. You get asked to do things. You're like, yep, fine. Yep. You're, you're just happy you're getting asked. So you're like, this I was just, just getting asked to do right. like left, right. right. And I was like, yep, yep, yep. Because I didn't know what I was doing. So, right, right. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess where, the point when I left the BBC is the, the time when I finally felt like, okay, now I can really do me. Right. Before that, I was just being asked to do stuff by the BBC or by this person or that person just getting into things without knowing it seems like a natural way to figure yourself out too, right? And, and whatever you're doing, I feel like a lot of us, whatever career it is, you're, you're first kind of asked to do stuff. And then eventually you're like, wait, yeah. fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. Or like, this is not me anymore. Or I mean, yeah. in the late, like the late nineties, early two thousands, no one was like, right. Caper, you need to create a caper brand. You know what I mean? Like no one knew what they yeah. were. No one well, knew I, I forgot to ask you the name. Caper. Oh. It was my tagging name on okay. buses, like in high school. So I used to hang around with a lot of crazy people. <laughs> no, no, no. They weren't crazy, they were cool, but like... Yeah, we just different, crazy. special. We were troublemakers. Right. And yeah, we used to sit on the back of the bus and everyone had, had a little tag name. And my friends had given me the name Kpar because I was mischievous. Okay. So, so the real spelling, I, you know, like when you do a caper, like yep. yeah, it was, it's supposed to be like that, but I would, I would get into trouble a lot at school and stuff. I got suspended like five times. Like Your every- face like so nice and like innocent and <laughs> nice Kudrati girl. What are you talking about? Okay. Nope. <laughs> That's good. That, that gives us more stories for later. I like it. <laughs> I, I, I tried to be, I was just awkward my whole life, uh, but I have some stories. I've been, I've been handcuffed before and not 
in that way, in, in a paddy wagon way nice. for, for, De, for a Depeche Mode concert. I did it. Oh, I, can, nice. I can do stuff. So then you get to New York 2016-ish. Officially, I moved to New York in 2016. But the first time I went to New York was with Hardcore, the artist, um, mm-hmm. who had asked me to be her DJ, like a tour DJ. And cool. so we, we went to India together. We went to Delhi and we went all over the place. In a time where it wasn't easy to be a female in India and be performing, right? So we went to all these, like, I think we went to Jandika and, like, oh, my God. It's crazy. I, yeah. We, we could talk about, yeah, Delhi is a whole other beast. Yeah, we landed in Delhi and had, had the uh, head of police, <laughs> of Delhi police meet us at the airport because, you know, the promoters were like, it's not safe. No. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, I I can imagine. Did you go to um, what was Urgent Rumpa's club called over there? I forgot. It was big when I was in 2011. Was, was it Green something? I, I can't remember. remember. There was a few clubs out there. We we mostly did farm parties uh, just because of yeah his, his friends and stuff. But um, yeah, I forgot what it's called. But yeah, Delhi is quite a scene. So, anyways, you guys went to India. We went to India and then after, you know, we'd done obviously some stuff in the UK and then she asked me if I would come to New York with her because she was doing SOBs for the first time. Um, and I was like, New York? Yeah, I've always wanted to go there. Yeah. So, so yeah, we got on a plane and we performed. That night was for Basement Bungra, um, who was run by... Ah, uh, Basement Bungra. <laughs> yeah, no, Rekha, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I went there and I had had my little guest set before hardcore came on, and I was like, "What shall I play? I'm just gonna play the hardest hip hop I can think of, like <laughs> gangster, like all kinds, you know, all the stuff that I grew up on." And that's what I did at Bangra night. <laughs> and I, I would assume that would work out well, though. Like Indians love this shit. It worked out well because during that time, Basement Bhangra was not just Bhangra. It was right. as well, right? And you right. Had, it was a very mixed crowd. So, yeah, I was like, I don't, know, I don't care. I'll just play hip Yeah, I, I've had some rough nights at Bhangra Basement, but yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think I, I missed you. I was, I was already gone and, and married and pretending I was doing something in Delhi. So what made you stay then? Yeah, so we, we went there. We did that show and then... After DJ Rekka had asked me to come back on my own, I think it was a couple of months later, like in October or something. Right. Like when in July, I went back in October and she had me do a, just a guest slot as myself. And then I met my husband, who is my husband now, the day that I performed with Hardcore. So after that, he was like, hey, do you want to come and DJ? This is when we like dating or anything. Right, right. And he was like, hey, do you want to come and DJ at my 29th birthday party in January? And I'm like... It's like basically asking you out on a date, but in like a fancy way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he kept calling me after I came back from New York with Hardcore. He would keep calling me and asking me because he was working for bad boy at the time and he'd be like hey can we can I play this young jock record on on your show and blah 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 and it's only I've only found out recently that he wasn't actually like the UK has nothing to do with <laughs> with US radio so it's yeah. so it's so romantic come on <laughs> 
So he just kept calling me and bothering me. And then, yeah, so then he asked me. <laughs> yeah, if he's hiring someone like you for a 29th birthday, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he has to like you too. I mean, you're amazing, obviously, but he's like, can you come for my random birthday that... Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I had I had the best time. I I hung out for like a week more, and then yeah. he was like, "Hey, do you want to come back in April after you finish university?" Like, because I I was gonna finish my final year, right? And he was like, "I'll set up a tour for you," because he was also booking artists and stuff. Um, yeah, in the US. So yeah, he set up a tour and I came over in April of 2007 with my cousin and we toured over the US with the guy that I'm now married to. <laughs> That's awesome. He's like, he like I want to manage you and then yeah, and then and put a ring on your finger. Thanks. He's like, can you come back for my 29th and a half birthday in DJ? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what? That's awesome. And so Nowadays, obviously, there's COVID. We all know this. Um, and I know you're doing a lot of stuff just live from your home. You've done Roots Picnic. You've done In the Mix with Serato. I saw that you went to Austin recently, which is where I went to college. Oh, cool. UT. Uh, I went to UT. All my friends are from, that went, like, they all went to UT. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all very, very cool. We're all UT, it's, it's <laughs> all UT people. Um, and I know you're, you've helped to raise money for BLM and, and lots of other causes. What else are you working on? right now um to be honest all i'm all i've been working on is figuring out how to live stream <laughs> just working on music like figuring out how to use all the equipment that i get sent but never get a chance to like try out right I get something they're like hey try it out see if you like it or whatever right right sitting there so just yeah just learning right you're like that goddamn music technology degree <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember the three, the three classes that you took? <laughs> I know, right? But yeah, mainly just making music and stuff. Yeah. Do you work with DJ Nice? D Nice? D Nice, yeah. got D Nice. I'm like an auntie, DJ Nice. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing it out there. I, um, I think I've done a few like live streams with him, but yeah, I, I mean, I know him. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I guess we'll probably do more. More, more together. Awesome. Okay. Just, I wanted to really quickly talk about like, you said before that you're an, you're an open format DJ, which we kind of talked about. Do you still consider yourself that nowadays or do you feel like you kind of focus in one area? I, I feel like the term open format is a very American term because welcome, welcome to america baby yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're ours now you're our, you're ours yeah all these words that no one knows but um yeah i don't know i've always i guess open format means you don't have any like genre right yeah and, you're open to the format <clears throat> yeah yeah but that's that's kind of how like what i've always done right yeah In the uk when i first started out i was never just playing hip-hop ever you had to know how to play drum and bass you had to know how to play uk garage you had to because this was all what everyone wanted so for me it's not really any different just some of the music's different yeah but yeah i don't really know i don't yeah. know i'm just a dj yeah I, yes you are my friend that's not a, that's not a joke so i actually did this thing I, i'm not ig and doing like i hate putting my face on video which is why i'm doing a podcast but a lot of people i mean i'm not saying this to make you feel better about your life but a lot of people were excited to hear from you so i actually so i just did it like two hours ago i was like okay if you have a question for her 
<laughs> I didn't think anyone. I got like 12 texts. I'm like, what the F? Um, so I want to ask some of those questions really quick. One of my friends, Natasha, asked, do you practice your sets? Like beforehand, like what's your practice state? Or is there anything that you prepare? How do you prepare, I guess? I might like, like have an idea of what I'm going to play. And especially like if it's like something where I know people are like watch it, like it's a performance kind of thing. Right. That, those are the only ones that I'll practice for. But like when you see me doing my live streams or if you see me in a club, I probably haven't practiced any of it. I just have right. like little routines here and there that I might have practiced. Yeah. This is kind of deep. I should, I should have written down who said what, but that's okay. Do you think your relationship with music has changed with age and with phases in life? Um, no. 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 I think that that's the one thing that's been constant. constant. Yeah. Um, like yeah. There's all this other shit that's happened around me. Right, right. That I've always loved is... You go back to, right? Yeah. So that makes sense. No. What is the most memorable event or show you've played and why? There's so many. Like, there's, I mean, I, I remember yeah. I, I, I did print works recently, maybe two years ago, which is a massive venue in London. It used to be a print factory and it's just an amazing venue. That's and, cool. And yeah. I always wanted to play there, but I'd moved here and didn't get to do it. And then I got asked to do a gig with Diplo. Your, your mate. Yeah, tell him, tell him I said, what's up? <laughs> I think he misses me. He just doesn't realize it yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did a gig with Diplo and it was amazing. That was definitely, especially because I had moved here right. and I was going back to London and all my friends were out as well because they could be. And I, right. and I saw my friends in the crowd and it was like this amazing venue that everybody wants to DJ at. Right. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, that was one of my most memorable, but there's been so many, I can't choose. Oh, I'm sure you've been all of, I mean, I'm sure you have endless stories. Who in your mind, I'm sure you have many answers to this, but who in your mind is the best DJ nowadays? Or, or let's put it this way, who would you like to work with that you haven't yet? I do like Peggy Goo. Okay. I, I, I like her. I think she, I like her vibe. She's very right. endearing when I watch her like little clips on Instagram and stuff. I like, I like a lot of house DJs if I'm honest with you. Yeah. I don't enjoy being looked at. Like I, I feel like when you, when you go to a rave or like a house, you know, gig or whatever, like people just lose it a bit more and they right. maybe cause they're on drugs. I don't know. But <laughs> I think it may help. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it takes for you to not look at me, please do that. <laughs> Right, right. No, that makes sense. I saw your Brown Girl magazine questions and you're like, yeah, this is why this is, shows how awkward I am. I'm like, I think you and I are sisters because even doing that video today, like my dealer stopped working. I'm like, I cannot. How do people do this all day? Like talk to the camera. Yeah. Like I was, I have a hernia and that was like a 30 second thing. <laughs> For me, talking to the camera is not as bad as when I'm DJing and people are staring, staring at, you. at you. Yeah, yeah, um, that makes sense. And and that's why whatever it takes, whatever drugs you need to do, God knows what it like. Wh however much you need to drink to just lose it and have yeah, and listen and just see me and double, and that's it's totally yeah. fine. It's yeah, awesome. Who I am, it's fine. So yeah. Okay, I'm gonna do a really quick. I like to call it lightning round. So just whatever comes to your mind. Biggest misconception about female DJs? That they can't DJ very well or yeah. just as good as guys. Don't get the credit. Your biggest pet peeve? When people 
stare at me. <laughs> or, I mean, I have to ask, do you, at, at this point, are you, you must get annoyed if people ask you to play things like come, oh, yeah. be, come behind the box. And I mean, I'm sure all DJs do. Yeah. 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 I think I've, I'm dealing with it better now. Like I think I used to come across as a real dick. Yeah. People. Yeah. And I've heard that like people have come to me and be like, Oh, there was one time when I tried to say hello to you and come up to you and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, I'm, working and right. in, in the middle of a set so obviously i might be a little bit like get out of my way um, i love that i love that you're being a dick about it because girls aren't all we're always supposed to be like friendlier and well that's the thing right so if you're if you're a girl that takes your shit seriously you're a bitch but if you're a dude oh you're a genius you're ambitious and you're focused and all that shit oh you don't mess like no 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 he's an artist like you know that's it's that's it is what it is i know we can do a whole other podcast on about that If you weren't doing anything in the music industry, what else would you be doing? I'm really into like property design and stuff. Like, I don't want to be a real estate agent. I was like, a real estate agent? That doesn't no, seem no. like you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like selling sunset kind of thing? I was like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. way. I, no. I, I, <laughs> um, I want to like build houses. I ah. want to design them and build them. So I would like to do something like that. Cool. I'm assuming not in New York City, though. No, I mean, if I had enough money, <laughs> then I would. But, like, it also doesn't make... It's just impossible to do anything here in New York. Right. Go to Arkansas. I'm telling you, you can do everything. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe in Austin, though. Yeah. It's getting, it's getting more and more expensive, but yeah. it's, yeah, it's my favorite city. It's my home. Yeah. And I think that's the lightning round. And is there anything you want to plug in to talk about for, for people to know or people to look out for? I, I mean, I know last year you had two singles or a couple singles, right? You had the Memories EP, Clap Your Hands, Your yeah. Love. I've listened, I was listening to it all night. Like my headphones like stayed on oh, like, nice. while I was sleeping. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, Those are your most recent ones, correct? Yeah. Um, okay. I think Your Love was the most recent. I can't remember. Okay. Uh, at the moment... Yes, I'm making music. I don't know. People have been asking me like, oh, are you going to release more music? And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I'll do it this year or next year. I kind of like this time that I have to myself. Right. Not being anxious about like what everyone else is doing because we're all in the same situation. Right. Yeah. I know. It's kind of odd how much I've embraced it. I'm like, why do I like not being social? I mean, I know COVID sucks. It's terrible. But in a way, it's been like, okay, I kind of like the Shanti a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It's some, something, com- as bad as it may sound, there's something a little bit comforting about the fact that everybody is in the same situation. No, it is, exactly. And then, like, I, like we went to Vermont last week, and I'm like, I haven't been on a hike since I was in Girl Scouts. Like, it was amazing. I was like, oh, there's a waterfall, and... There is a tree and there's Lee. It's just, it's been, yeah, in that way, it's been, it's yeah. been really nice. I'm not looking forward to the schooling part next, next couple yeah. weeks though. So, yeah, I definitely think that I've figured out, you know, what matters more during this time. So, yeah. Have you been able to see your family at all? No, no. Only okay. on like FaceTime and stuff. That must um, be hard. Yeah, it is. But then also, I would only see them like three times a year anyway at this point. Okay. Um, 
but usually I would have gone home in the summer for a couple of weeks. Right. So someone's wedding, you know, like you have to go back uh, to the cousin's wedding or whatever. People are still doing that? God. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, I haven't really seen them and wouldn't really like risk it either. So you're, you're officially ours now. You're American now. Well, not really, because I applied for a resident green card rather than citizenship. So... Uh, <laughs> is, is this like what just in case Trump gets reelected or yeah, is it okay honestly, that's fair actually can we come to your house over there because yeah of course I think I think look we don't I mean the UK doesn't exactly have it like amazing. that's true that's true anything. we should all go to like Iceland or something or somewhere else I was actually in Iceland just before COVID hit wasn't it did you love it I was then, I, I only stopped off like because oh. I went to um, Sweden. Okay. And they stopped off in Iceland. I had a long layover. Okay. They like searched me like head to toe. Of course. Because I guess they knew things before, like obviously anyone cared about in the US. So yeah. they were like, right, we need to make sure that you're not, you haven't been in anywhere near anyone infected and blah, 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 blah. So they take you in rooms and ask you these questions and do all these tests on you. It's crazy. Wow. And this is yeah. what, February, January? This was like March. This was oh, just shit before. right then. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. no bueno. I went last year for a girl's trip. The girls that loved me when I was ghetto. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. It was a, we went snorkeling in like negative 30 degree water. I mean, it sounds horrendous, but it was, I don't know, it was just things you wouldn't do. It was awesome. Yeah. Did you see the, is the, the Northern Lights? There? No, we missed those. I don't know if we just, because we drank too much and missed it. I have no idea. I was like, how did we miss it? We were here for a week. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But we, what we did do, though, we had a car that we rented and like drove around like the Southern Circle thing. And we forgot that these cars take diesel. So that was fun. So we flooded the car with the wrong gas in it. I don't know, whatever. Girl stuff, you know. It's fine. fine. I I blame the girl stuff on that. (laughs) Yeah. No, I really appreciate this. I mean, I love your shit. And I know know a lot of people that love you too. So I'm glad we we met. Yeah, for sure. So I'm pretty sure we're going to become best friends after that interview, or at least in my head, or at least during COVID. Anyways, guys, check out uh, DJ Caper's uh, latest music. You can go to her Insta page, Caper Official. And as always, you can follow me at Ami Tuckered Out and leave a review. Make me feel better about, you know, hosting this by myself. Thanks, guys. We will have a new interview very soon. And I appreciate you guys listening. This is Ami Tuckered Out.